Sit a Spell, a podcast about slowing down, remembering who we are, and where we came from. Folks used to invite you to come up on the porch and sit a spell. So pull up a rocking chair, grab a glass of sweet tea, and let's sit a spell and visit about our heritage and how we use those traditions and skills. Hello and welcome back to Sit a Spell and welcome to Season 2, The Great Tennessee Appalachian Food Tour. I am Crystal Blankenship, <laughs> UTTSU Extension in Cumberland County. And I'm Megan Brown, UTTSU Extension in Meigs County. Oh boy, are we excited today. We are so excited. We're so excited to kick off this um, East Tennessee uh, Appalachian Road Tour and I don't think that we could be at a the, a better spot we, we couldn't I, if you guys could only smell what we smell right now <laughs> yeah. smell what, so see what we see we've, we've had a, we're I guess we should tell you where we're at I guess so we're at Benton's a Smoky Mountain Country Hams uh, in Madisonville Tennessee we are in Madisonville right <laughs> Madisonville <laughs> Tennessee making sure we didn't venture out <laughs> Madisonville Tennessee and um, we're here with Mr. Benton himself we're going to have him on uh, in just a second and just going to give a shout out to people around the ring we've got a crew with us today we we have quite the crew first of all we need to just uh, tell y'all we might sound a little different this season we are going to sound different um, our counterpart our the godfather of podcasting himself uh, mr justin thomas has has been promoted and has went on to bigger things not better we're not going to say better because we are living the dream this morning so we're not going to say better (laughs) things um but he's actually our boss now and he is actually standing right here with us because he had to protect his legacy. Yes, he was here to protect his, his podcasting legacy. legacy. Let's just be honest. He's here to make sure that we know how to hook up the equipment <laughs> uh, so that we can continue on uh, with Sid Spell. But um, we also have um, Larry Mitchell in the room with us today. Um, I've, I've referred to him as our ag liaison uh, for this tour because what we want to do is bring FCS and ag together as we're going across on this uh, road tour. We have Charles Denny uh, with our marketing <laughs> Uh, with the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture. We have the Jonathan Ray. The Jonathan Ray. Um, who extension agent, ag extension agent here in Monroe County, who set all this <laughs> up. But the guest of the hour um, is Mr. Alan Benton, and we're going to uh, let him tell you all about uh, Benton's country ham and bacon. I love the bacon. Oh, it's <laughs> so good, y'all. So good. Benton, we just want to start out with, uh, tell us your story. How did you get started in the country ham business? Well, first, let me say how excited I am to have you all here this morning. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. I got into the country ham business almost by accident. I had been working as a high school guidance counselor at the old Von Orr High School. Had just gotten my uh, master's degree, and school started. And a couple of days later, they passed out a copy of the salary schedule. I took one look and knew that I had to do something else. <laughs> and, I resigned, and a week or two later, I heard that uh, Albert Hicks, the man who started this business, literally in his backyard between Madisonville and Sweetwater on Old Highway 68, he had quit the country ham business in the spring that year. I heard about it. The wheels started turning. 
and I talked Albert into leasing me uh, that old building in his backyard. And before I put any meat down at all, I got on a first name basis with about everybody in the food tech department at the University of Tennessee. <laughs> That's basically how I got, started. got started. Okay. Um, has, and we'll bring Jonathan Ray in here too. Um, has extension been involved in throughout the years in, uh, um, your business? De definitely. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't repay the Tennessee department of agriculture, uh, the extension agents, uh, or the food tech department at the university if I tried. When I first, before I put any meat down, I literally wrote to uh, universities all over the South trying to, trying to learn more about what I was doing. But I soon figured out that I probably had all the expertise I needed 35 miles up the road. And uh, I couldn't repay the debt of gratitude I owe the university if I tried. I never stepped foot on the agriculture campus one time until after I graduated. Uh, the first time I stepped on that campus, it was like this epiphany moment. Uh, it was like, huh, this is where I belong. Uh, I, didn't really, I didn't really enjoy the university experience like a lot of people did. I think I would have enjoyed it immensely had I had enough sense to thought about agriculture. I didn't even consider it. And, uh, still would have benefited from taking classes that I didn't take, but uh, owe a lot to uh, owe a big debt to the university. I will say, as, as soon as we all got here today, first thing he did, him and, and Jonathan Ray were shaking hands and talking, and you can tell they've uh, they've been friends a while. <laughs> well, we're fortunate to have Jonathan in our county. Uh, <laughs> if I've got a question, you can bet I'm going to make a phone call, and he's been so kind and offered so much help to us on our farm operation. I appreciate Alan and uh, Alan being in, in Monroe County. Uh, Alan supported our national county agents meeting. He supported our uh, state meetings time and time again. Uh, so his uh, any gratitude or debt that he owes the university certainly in my eyes has been paid. But uh, just a great guy, a great story, a great product. And uh, we're tickled to death to have you guys here in Monroe County visiting with us today. And whoever's listening to this, we'd love them to stop by Allen's on Highway 411. And uh, this is a busy place at Christmas time. So uh, if you're coming, yes. uh, you know, plan, plan ahead. But uh, this is a great place to get, uh, get you something good to eat. And we're just glad y'all are here today. Oh, thank you, Jonathan. And boy, I can I can verify I have received country ham and bacon multiple times for Christmas. Um and that's that'll be our our um I, I give it I give it as Christmas gifts. I come and make a pilgrimage over here in November and I leave with a big bag and I pass out bacon as Christmas gifts. And if we don't get bacon, my husband says we didn't get, what, why didn't we get bacon this year? Um, but that's our Christmas morning breakfast. We always have a, a Benton's product on our Christmas morning breakfast. So I, I can speak from experience. It's totally worth the trip down here. Um, Mr. Benton, we know, listen, we, we have told you um, how much we love your product. <laughs> we love the country ham. We love the bacon. It is just delicious. We know what sets you apart, but what do you think sets your product apart from others? Well, you know, it's 
hard for me to address that because I never eat other people's products. <laughs> I eat everything out of your but, but, Why would you? But we, uh, <laughs> when, when I first when I first started in the country ham business in 1973, there were lots of huge producers scattered all over the southeast. You had Talmadge Farms down in Georgia. Uh, Hancock Country Hams, W.L. Hancock over in North Carolina was the largest producer of country hams at that time. Uh, Virgil Stadler later took the title of the largest producer over in Elon College. And the game at that time was to cure them as quickly as you could. Most country hams were being produced in uh, probably uh, 90 days or less. And that wasn't the way that I grew up doing it on the farm. We would kill hogs and they were typically very large hogs uh six seven eight hundred pounds uh the lard was the most prized thing off those hogs you didn't go to the store and buy canola oil or olive oil (laughs) back in those days and uh i set out to started curing 12 to 15 month hams and my wholesale market was up in gatlinburg pigeon forge and in those days it was one thousandth of what it is today I think there were five restaurants in Pigeon Forge when I started peddling hams up through there. <laughs> and uh, uh, my business model wasn't working because the restaurants didn't care about the quality. All they cared about was how cheap could I sell it. I almost starved to death the first 20 years I was in business. <laughs> and uh, I'd been in business about five or six years, and my father was still living. He was sitting on a bench up front, and I walked up there. And I told him I thought I was going to have to start quick curing my hams like everybody else. I said, I just can't pay the bills. He didn't say anything. I came back and worked in this cooler behind me for an hour or two, and I drifted back up front for something. He looked up at me, and he said, son, he said, if you play the other guy's game, you always lose. That's good. He said, stick with what you know. Make it the best you know how, no matter how expensive the process. And he said, sooner or later, quality will sustain you in this business. Well, just like a fish swallowing hook, line, and sinker, I knew he was right. And I determined, I thought, I'm going to do it my way. And the next 15 or more years, I barely held it together. I would lay awake at night wondering if I was going to be able to make my bills the next week. But finally, I got a few breaks and uh, started figuring out that... uh, Chefs, and at those days, I didn't know the difference between a, a restaurant flipping burgers in the local Greasy Spoon restaurant mm-hmm. and a chef. I thought it was all the same thing. But finally, I figured out that chefs liked my products. Mm-hmm. And that opened uh, doors for us. And today, uh, it's a huge part of our business, of course. We ship stuff uh, to restaurants coast to coast in this country. I have to tell you, I was watching, I told Crystal this, I was watching the Food Network the other night, and uh, there was a restaurant in Oregon. And uh, she's a, it was a Southern style restaurant. I can't remember the name of it, but um, she was talking about recipes and she said, now this bacon we get out of um, East Tennessee um, and, and, and it's a smoky product and you can't get anything unlike it or, or there's nothing like it anywhere else. I said, I know exactly <laughs> what she's talking about. I know what she's talking about, uh, well, about we, Benton's. We're so, we're so lucky. We sell to some of the best chefs in the country and honestly, I've never been able to get myself any attention. It was the chefs that got us the attention. And I owe each one of them that's used it in a restaurant a debt of gratitude because food writers would, they're, think about it, they're looking for a story. They go into a restaurant, they have a dish, and they're 
tasting a flavor profile that they're unaccustomed to. And they said, well, tell me what this is. What am I tasting here? And there comes a story. Uh-huh. So I, it's the creative uh-huh. way those young chefs and talented chefs have used my products that got us the attention. And we've been known to pick a restaurant <laughs> simply based on we saw Benton's bacon. Oh, they use this Benton's <laughs> bacon, so they know what they're doing. So um, it must day. be good. So um, I, we, we got an excellent tour of your facility, and I, I thank you so much for doing that. I didn't know that was going to be part of today, and you, I feel like I've been to Disney World. <laughs> like This, this is uh, the top of my uh, culinary whatever. I uh, I love it. But you talked a little bit about how the pandemic has affected uh, yes. your business. If you can talk to that. Well, starting uh, starting about a year ago, uh, about February last year, just like kicking the circuit breaker on your electric at, at your home, all those restaurants shut down coast to coast. And that was about 75% of my business. And I was struggling. I didn't know how severe it was going to impact us. But we were blessed. I have to look up every day and say thank you because uh, our retail sales just really took off. We just hit a home run on retail sales. And our Internet exploded to the point that we literally had to take most products off the Internet. We just couldn't keep up with demand. So we survived it very well. And now, thank goodness, restaurants are beginning to open back up. We're seeing some improvement, and uh, we're optimistic for the future. I never dreamed when i saw all these big country ham operations going out of business over the years whether whether they just closed or whether the owners died and nobody took it over uh, i didn't think the future bode well for me and i so many things the nitrite scare in the early 70s uh changing lifestyles where people don't get up and cook breakfast anymore they just grab a biscuit on the way to work at local food Mm -hmm. place uh all those trends uh people the health consciousness movement Mm -hmm. all those things i thought would put us out of business and i still look up every day and say thank you that i'm still in business uh i feel blessed that we're able to do what we're doing uh we're still i think the future bodes well for us if we just keep making really good products give treat our customers really well we think we can stay in business Um, Obviously, we've talked about the quality of your products, and like Megan said, we had a fantastic tour, y'all, I I hope. I hope you get to see some of it when uh, Charles Denny releases the videos. Um, Would you mind just kind of walking us a little bit through the process? I know you don't have to go super in detail, but just um, to let you all know, uh, at home or wherever you're listening, um, there is a huge wood pile outside. <laughs> if you wouldn't mind even telling us, you know, where the wood came from and, and going just kind of through the process, if you don't mind. We uh, uh, we have about twice as much wood as what you saw. We there's another smoke <laughs> on this side. But uh, the bacon, I'll start with it. The bacon is made using only salt and brown sugar, which is what we did at home. That's the uh, secret recipe? The secret recipe. Th- that's the secret <laughs> recipe. And... Uh, we we put it in cure for about 10 days with salt and brown sugar take it out wash it hang it for about 10 more days in a cooler to let the moisture get out of it age it for three or four days and then throw it in our smokehouse for about three days of intense smoke and uh if you don't like smoke you're not going to like our bacon we do we do sell an unsmoked bacon but 98 percent of my sales are the hickory smoked it's like being at a campfire. <laughs> it's it so <is>. good. <laughs> the country hams, we make those using salt, brown sugar, uh, red pepper, and sodium nitrite. And uh, we put them in cure 
for about a week or 10 days, come back and re rework more cure into them, stack them up, leave them for about till they're almost two months old, take them out and hang them uh, in, a, in a sack, shank down, and the old timers thought that would make them drain better. <laughs> that's, not the, that's not the case, but we hang them shank down only for aesthetics to make it shape up to a prettier shaped ham. Uh, keep them in equalization for a couple of months, take them out and uh, put them in a room at uh, a minimum of 75 degrees for 35 days in order to control uh, trichina. Uh, there's not been a documented case of trichinosis in America, I think, in 50-something years, but this ensures that the product would be safe if someone ate it without cooking it uh, as far as getting trichinosis. Um, let's talk about, um, or even, even if you have to, like, market your product. Do you market it? or? Um, or well, my marketing skills are slim to none. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have starved to death the first 20 years in business had, <laughs> had I had better marketing. I wish I'd taken some marketing classes at the university. I would have certainly benefited from it. But uh, I tell people so much of what happened here uh, happened in spite of me, not because of me. We got a lot of lucky breaks. One of my first lucky breaks was selling to a place just up the road called Blackberry Farm in Wallen, Tennessee. And at the time it opened, yes. I had no clue what Blackberry Farm was. In my <laughs> mind, I literally thought it was probably just an old house trailer with a porch built on the front. Ooh. Uh, Boy, it's not that. <laughs> it, it, is, it is far from that. It is the most, it's, I describe it as Disneyland for adults. It's an amazing yeah. place. And what a success story it's been. But we are so fortunate to have had the relationship with Blackberry Farm that we have. I couldn't repay the Bell family if I tried. Uh, oh. They've been so incredible to us. Uh, but that was a springboard because I figured out there was a, a market with better restaurants. And the Southern Foodways Alliance, based out of Oxford, Mississippi, mm -hmm. uh, I got invited down there to a country ham tasting. And Sounds all, like heaven. Well, <laughs> it, it was. It was an experience. But all night long, people kept coming through saying, my name is so-and-so. I'm a chef. I've got a restaurant in Tucson or wherever they were from. Can you sell me this product? And the wheels started turning. I had three employees. On the way back, I thought about it. And I thought, I'm going to market my product to better restaurants. I'd been trying to wholesale it and give it away to local restaurants in the Pigeon Forge area and I made a conscious decision on that drive back on Sunday from that experience called a team meeting and my three employees that morning on Monday morning I had a tractor trailer backed up with fresh pork out there and I told them when I got ready to go down to that tasting I took uh, 18 to 22 month old hams for the tasting and none of my employees liked those aged hams they liked the younger stuff and uh, I told them that I was going to increase production on my aged country hams by 500% starting that morning. No, big one, goal. One, one <laughs> of the fellows who worked for me, he worked for me for 45 years. He was the most incredible fellow. His name was Arthur Atkins. He had a, a sixth grade education, but probably 150 IQ. <laughs> Just an old country boy. And I've told people he was so special. If I'd started out with anybody but him, I'm not sure I would have made it. He was that mm -hmm. incredible. But he pointed his finger at me and he said, you're aiming to put us out of business. What you aiming to do? <laughs> <laughs> and I told him, I said, well, we might go out of business, but we're going to go out in style. I said, this is what I think we need to do. And I said, the time is going to come when... 
we won't have to give our products away. We can command a decent price with better restaurants. And it took a while to do that, but that was that's our business model. We ship to great restaurants all over the country now, and uh, I know I've been blessed. I know somebody up there is looking down and smiling on me, or we couldn't have done it. Love it. Love it. Absolutely. Um, Mr. Benton, what have you received? Uh, I don't even know how to say it. What recognitions has uh, your country hams, your bacon? What have you received recognitions over the years? Well, well, we have, yes. Yeah. Do you remember them? <laughs> I, 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 you know, I don't like to pat my own back. <laughs> I, well, and listen, listen. This is not uh, you patting your back. I, we I'm we understand sure. that totally. Let, let me tell you, I've gotten I've gotten a lot of awards, and I've I'm so grateful that I got them, but. I feel like I'm riding on the back of so many producers across the country. There were lots of people making quality products in this country, and still a few around. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are there are few, but there are some around. Uh, but we've we've been blessed. We've gotten uh, some prestigious awards, and I, I'm extremely grateful for getting them. But I honestly feel like it's something that it's kind of like you know, uh, if you're on a football team and you get voted most valuable player. Your most valuable player because your teammates did so well helping you achieve that. I love that. I feel like other producers. <laughs> I feel like other producers, and I'll name some of them. Sam Edwards over in Virginia, an amazing fellow, did a great job. Uh, Nancy Newsom in Kentucky. There's so many out there that small producers that made quality stuff, and uh, I'm just glad that we got the recognition. I think it's good for our industry. So, if you had to pick a favorite product that you produce, could you pick a favorite one? Gosh. I love the bacon that I make, but my favorite, it depends on how, what dish I'm using. And, mm-hmm. but well, that was, that's going to be my follow-up question, what your favorite dish is, <laughs> well, so just, I, you can tie them together. My favorite thing is when I can talk my wife into making her homemade biscuits, and her biscuits are famous in the culinary world. Yeah. She uses a flour out of North Carolina called Our Best, and uh, it's from uh, Boonville Milling Company in Boonville, North Carolina. That and Cruz Farm Buttermilk. Okay. Those are the only—they're the only two ingredients. No shortening, no. The oh, only really? two ingredients in my wife's biscuits. We're not trying to make this little light, fluffy biscuit that crumbles in your hand when you bite into it. I want something with structure. When you fry some country ham and serve it on one of her homemade biscuits, it's got to be my favorite way to use it. Pretty sure my mouth just I, watered. I, I, I like the prosciutto that we make. It's made from the 24-month stuff, and I really like it. But nothing is—you can draw a crowd when you serve her biscuits and country ham. Ooh, so we're we'll divide ourselves over for a, for a breakfast. So that—that'd be your favorite recipe and your favorite that, product. That—that's the favorite way. I've never gotten tired of eating country ham in my life. I've eaten it my whole life, that's and right. I like the—I like the sausage we make. I like the. Uh, the bacon that we produce. Uh, I love a BLT with a homegrown tomato. That smoked bacon. But, yes. Uh, I like good, it. Good fresh white <laughs> bread. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, we just thank you so much for just, I feel like we've seen behind the curtain today because um, we, we've loved your products for so long and uh, you've let us see behind uh, the process and, and see everything, how it works. I think I, I like the product even more after uh, seeing behind the scenes and talking to you, Mr. Benton. It just well, makes me even appreciate 
your your business and and you even more. Well, I'm delighted that you all came. I've enjoyed the experience. I hope you've enjoyed it half as much as I have. Oh, Thank absolutely. And I, and I will coming. say that we uh, when we set out to do Citispell is is uh, is our podcast, and we we kind of reminisce about sitting on the porch when we used to slow down and sit on the porch and have a glass of tea in a mason jar, and <laughs> we couldn't have stood this. To me, this is exactly what we want to do um, with, with this series and this podcast is talking about these foods of Appalachia. And we, you, I, we're not going to be able to top ourselves. We've, we've started well, off at the top here. So If you start talking Appalachian foods, you're talking about my favorite subjects. Anyway. <laughs> oh, well, let's, let's, we, we love, well, Megan and I love food, <laughs> period. But then just our heritage and Appalachia, it just really, it sings to our, our hearts a little bit, you know. Well, it does, man. I, you know, there's nothing better than Appalachian cuisine to me. Uh, of course, it's what I grew up on. It's my favorite food. Did um did I do I remember correctly? You saying that uh, your your grandparents were in Virginia. They were from Virginia. And in, in the in between, like straight down between the mountain, right? They, <laughs> both places. My parents' families ancestors had homesteaded adjoining sections in those mountains, and. When I was little, I thought, why did they settle there? Why didn't they settle down on those flat creek bottoms? <laughs> of course, later I was older and figured out that the, the springs, they had to have good, clear spring. Was yep. that, that was a necessity. But there wouldn't have been four acres total on both places that you could have gotten a tractor over. They farmed with horses and mules. They raised everything they ate. I mean, that's true Appalachia. That's true Appalachia. That's, I love it. That's just so awesome, and I, I, we're just so excited. We're so excited. I'm giddy. I like it. All right, well, thank you so much, and uh, we'll see where we're off to in episode two. I'll look for your new episode. Thank right. you. As you can see, today was a, an amazing day spent with Mr. Benton. And as the podcast was wrapped up, we actually got to stand around and chat a little more with Mr. Benton. So we want to leave you with one of the questions that was asked to him off the record, so to speak. And it was, um, what is your all-time favorite meal that you've ever had? Yeah, we got to spend uh, quite a bit of time um, uh, just hanging out and, and just hearing more stories. And um, he, he talked about a time that he was at a table full of, uh, of chefs, um, and they were kind of going around the table, um, high-end chefs, uh, uh, talking about what their favorite all-time meal was. And they were, um, you know, really describing some incredible things. And, and they asked him, Mr. Benton, what, what is your favorite all-time favorite meal? Um, and his answer was anything that... Um, is with his family. He really um, uh, alluded to uh, like that his stuff that his grandmother had cooked and, and that their family had cooked and they'd all gathered around the table with love and and it just um, it just really got me to thinking too. Those are my favorite meals too. Uh, those that are spent uh, spent with family and and you know that uh, we're all together and, and that that's the really that's the big thing about it. And he's just just such an incredible person to be around. He really was. He was so humble, wasn't he? Just to, yes, just a very humble, humble Appalachian gentleman. Exactly. And I just think, you know, that just sums up everything. When we think about our Appalachian heritage and everything that, you know, I just feel like that just summed it up, don't you? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Put a perfect end to it. Just a wonderful day. So and we're going to leave you with that. Join us next time as we continue traveling across East Tennessee, discovering more about Appalachian heritage and interviewing some more amazing guests. Until next time.